Welcome to a Frugal Athlete Podcast, where we interview athletes, both current and former, on the prudent financial practices and smart career decisions they are making. In these episodes, we dive into what it means to be a frugal athlete. You might think that frugal just means being cheap, but as you will soon learn, being frugal is more complex than that. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of a Frugal Athlete Podcast. Today, we got a very special guest, Caitlin Fisher. Caitlin is currently the Director of Business Services at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, she is a former student athlete herself, um, all around great person, doing a lot of good things in the financial literacy, career development, personal development space. Uh, I had the fortunate pleasure of sharing the stage with her at a, uh, at a panel a webinar and immediately hit it off and definitely decided and wanted to have her on the podcast to share her information, share her story and share her insights. Uh, with that being said, Caitlin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, just really excited to have this discussion with you. Uh, most definitely. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's busy times for you. Real quick, for people that may not know you, do you mind sharing like a little bit of background? Yeah, for sure. So like you said, I was a former um, women's basketball player. I went to college um, at Marymount University, uh, got my degree in accounting, um, you know, had a great four years there. Um, we had a lot of success as a team. But after I, w- after I graduated, I was kind of ready to put, you know, sports behind me. Um, I was exhausted. I've, I've played sports all my life, played soccer, softball growing up. So I was ready to use my accounting degree and be you know, I, I had goals of being the next partner at a big four. Um, I was ready just to grind and work my way up. Um, so I started my career at PwC uh, as an auditor, but I realized really quickly how much I missed the sports atmosphere. So after about two months at PwC, I began looking into um, how to get back into athletics. And since I have a Division three background, there's not a lot of sports jobs at a Division three. You mainly have the AD. You maybe have a, a few other uh, full-time administrators, but mostly you just see your coaches. Um, And I knew really early on, I didn't want to coach, but I thought that was the only way to get into athletics. I began trying to pivot, um, get into coaching a little bit, see if that's, that was my foot in the door to get into athletics. So I started, uh, I was an assistant coach while I was still at PwC. So it was really hard to manage both of them, especially when we were um, in, in busy season, which coincided with the end of basketball season. So after about two years there, um, I went to, to Stevenson University to become a GA. So to really just dive into coaching, dive into, you know, all aspects of it. So recruiting, scouting, player development, um, you know, professional development for them, um, things like that. I knew, like I said, I, I knew I wasn't going to uh, love coaching, but it got my foot in the door. Um, it got me to realize that there are other jobs outside of coaching if you want to be in athletics. So I learned about the business office. So that would be the perfect way to combine my accounting um, and passion for athletics. So I had that in my mind, was trying to work into how to get how to get into a business office. So after I graduated with my master's, um, I went to the NCAA for uh, their postgrad internship um, in finance and accounting. So it was the first time I was really able to put both of those together um, you know, it made me feel like I had a purpose for doing all the number crunching because I know I knew it was helping student athletes. I knew it was helping coaches. Um, so, so from there, um, um, after almost completing the year, um, I went to Marymount or to Maryland University of Maryland to get into the business office. So, um, you know, being at a Big Ten school, being at a business office, I learned you know how to manage our hundred million dollar budget, how it works with 
all of the teams, um, their travel expenses, their buying, you know, equipment, things like that. Um, I knew that I wanted to progress in the business office. So after about 18 months there, um, there was an opportunity for me to become a director, uh, which is now where I am at Pitt. Um, so I've been here a little bit over a year. Um, basically what we do in the business office, anything that deals with money in our teams, um, it comes through us. So we approve expenses, we help with reimbursements. Um, we pretty much make sure the bills get paid. Um, and it's just a really great way to feel passionate about what you do while, while using, you know, what I learned in school. Uh, I love it for so many reasons. I think one of the biggest things I took away early on was that you didn't immediately go all in. You were able to keep your job at uh, PwC while coaching, um, trying to figure out the lay of the land, try to get yourself integrated. And then from there, once you immerse yourself and found out more, that's when you went all in. So I think it's a testament to thinking long term um, and, you know, playing for the road ahead and not just the immediate short term. Uh, what I want to ask you from what you've shared, if you can do it all over again, you mentioned there's so many different ways to get involved in sports after playing. Um, would you take the same approach or what from your experiences would you kind of change if you could? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. You know, there are some times where I think my going into public accounting for a little bit slowed me down because I wasn't able to get right into a business office. Um, so it took me, gosh, five years after I graduated to finally get into a business office. So there are times when I think um, that it put me back in my career. Um, but I also um, am grateful that I had the opportunity to go outside of athletics. So I knew what I was. Um, now I know, uh, you know, I don't want to go back to a job without athletics because I didn't feel like it was fulfilling or that, I, that my passion was really being uh, filled by doing that. So I'm glad I tried it. Um, if, if I were to do it differently, I probably would have educated myself a little bit more about all the different opportunities that exist out there in college athletics. So that's what I tell young people anytime I talk to them now, um, just to start, you know, reaching out, if, especially if you went to a, go to a D3 school, uh, look at, you know, D1 schools that have a little bit bigger staff, um, you know, look at what their jobs are. Look, if you're interested in business, go look at their business office. If you're interested in communications, look at their communications department, marketing, same thing. Um, and just start having those conversations. Um, you know, people are so willing to help. If you just email them, tell them what you're doing, tell, tell them that you want to learn more. Um, I wish I would have done a little bit more of those informational interviews just to learn um, about the opportunities that are out there. But uh, because of, of how I started and uh, working at PwC and then trying to get into coaching, it's given me a lot of a variety of experiences. So now I know what it's like outside of athletics. I know what it's like for our coaches. I know what it's like for our student athletes. Um, so it makes me really relatable in my, my work now. Um, and, you know, working at a, at a big four gave me some opportunities right out of school that I don't know, I necessarily wouldn't have had. Um, if I would have gone right into athletics either. So. No, I love that. You talked about like the variety of experiences. Can you talk about, you know, as student athletes, you know, we see NIL, we see all these new opportunities, why it's important to kind of immerse yourself in different avenues to, you know, kind of know what you want to do versus what you're expected to do or what you think you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, that's a great point. You make what you're expected to do versus what you want to do. I think, most of my life, I had been doing what I was expected to do. So I, you know, I went to, um, I went to high school, they told me, you know, choose a major, I knew I liked money at the time, I didn't really like interacting with people. So 
I felt like accounting was a great, um, you know, a great major for me to get, even though I realized after my first internship that it's something I wasn't really passionate about. But I, after I graduated, I'm like, you just spent five years getting this degree, getting the hours to sit for the CPA exam. You need to go into a career that, you know, pays you well. You're going to have a job. It's going to be stable. Um, and once I got into it, I wasn't, I wasn't happy. So that's when I first, I think, started to think for myself and realize, okay, what do you, what do you want? You don't, just because it's paying really well, you're, you're right out of school, you're, you're getting, you know, a good paycheck. Doesn't mean that's what you need to do for the rest of your life, even though that's what your degree is in. I'm, I'm a firm believer that I want to, I want to enjoy what I'm doing for work. You know, we spend so much time at work. Um, I don't want it to be something that I'm dreading every Sunday going in on Monday or that I'm, you know, planning for Fridays. So I knew that even though, you know, people thought I was crazy for leaving a stable public accounting job to go back to grad school. I mean, I, it was a over $50,000 pay cut that I took just to go back to grad school, but it's something that I was passionate about and I wanted to see if I liked it. And to your point, I think it's, it's really important just to try a lot of things. It's important to know what you like and, and what you don't like. And, you know, we're all still figuring it out. I think if you, if you're in your dream job right now, you're, you're probably one of the lucky few, but I think a lot of us are still trying to figure out, you know, what is something that excites, excites us and it doesn't feel like you're coming to work every day. Um, and that's, you're only going to know if you keep trying, um, you keep talking to people, you keep, you know, having different experiences, volunteering when you can, um, things like that. And that's, that's, I think what has helped me land where I am now, just because I do like to learn about what everyone else is doing. I don't just stay in my lane. Um, I want to know how it all works together. And then ultimately, it makes you better at your job because you understand, um, you know, essentially the customer's perspective um, when you're working with them. No, I think it's a great point. I think your experience is, you know, being able to immerse yourself in all these different, you know, avenues helps you excel in your role now. Um, yeah. So let's dive into your role now and, you know, kind of the journey that got you there. Can you talk about it from the standpoint of like the landscape of college sports? You went to a D3 school, so you've seen it from that lens. You're working at a top program now at the University of Pittsburgh, you know, recently coming from University of Maryland. Where are we, you know, from the landscape of, you know, college sports as a whole? Yeah, that's a that's a very loaded question. I think we're in, you know, a crazy time period, especially with NIL. People are still trying to figure that out. Um, I don't think we've necessarily wrapped. I don't think everyone's wrapped their you know, hands around. What does that mean for the student athletes from the tax perspective? Or what does that mean? You know, how do we get our international student athletes able to profit from NIL, too? Because right now they can't take part of it, part mm -hmm. in it. Um, so I think there's a lot more to come with that. Um, you know, the main difference between division one and division three is, I mean, you're dealing with a lot more zeros at the end of your budget. Um, so it's a lot more to manage. It's a lot more um, eyes on you. You know, if we, my boss always says, you know, if we make a mistake um, from a compliance perspective or maybe from a money perspective, like it could be on the, the, the front page of the news um, the next day and it could really, you know, cause some issues, whereas you don't really get scrutiny like that at the division three level. Um, but, you know, there's just, I think there's a lot of pressure, uh, especially at the power five on people for revenue generation for winning. Um, so that's, that's a, a really big difference um, from division three. So ticket sales, donors, um, how are you bringing in money? How are you spending effectively? You know, something that I really love about Pitt is that even though, you know, we are in the ACC and we are trying to keep up with all the other schools, you know, like a Clemson, 
um, you know, schools that have a good donor base is we still try to manage our expenses really well. So we don't ever want it to be at the detriment to our, our student athletes or our coaches or our staff. Um, but there's still a way to, you know, manage it effectively in a way that no one is hurt by it, but also you're not, you know, just constantly trying to keep up with all of the other schools. No, I love it. Uh, so let's take it back a little bit. So say you, um, your D3 NIL is around, how are you, how would you take advantage of it? And then second scenario, how are you helping um, student athletes now at University Pitt at a D1 school? Yeah. Yeah. As a D3 student athlete, I think I would have really hit the local market. So I would have tried to, you know, talk to local restaurants, um, see if they would have been interested. And then I would have thought about some causes that are important to me. So I think it's so awesome when you see student athletes using their NIL for a bigger purpose. So I know one of the student athletes at, um, at Pitt, um, she has a sort of condition, um, like a health condition that she wanted to raise awareness for. So it wasn't even necessarily money being exchanged, but, um, you know, she thought she used NIL as a way to put, bring more awareness to her condition and then also help that nonprofit, um, at the same time. So I would have loved to use, you know, NIL for a bigger purpose. And, um, you know, I think that's something that you see a lot of student athletes doing now, which is great. Um, and then at, at, at Pitt, uh, I, I don't deal with NIL too much, but I think from my lens, just as a, you know, a financial literacy uh, advocate is just trying to help them understand, you know, what are the implications of NIL? What does it mean from a tax perspective? What does it mean from a budget perspective? Um, you know, how, how does man, why does managing your money become so much more important now that you do have some NIL, NIL deals coming in? Um, and then, you know, what we've talked about before is I just love the opportunity that this is providing for some of the sports that don't give get as much recognition as maybe the basketballs or the football um football student athletes so helping you know any way that I could help those student athletes feel you know like they can really use their position as you know a track student athlete or a tennis student athlete um I think that's that's something really cool that NIL is providing for them I love that I think uh for you you know being at the intersection of you know accounting sports business uh, you have a good lens and expertise in this space. Uh, was financial literacy something you were always passionate about or did it come as you were, you know, kind of experiencing it on your own? Um, yeah, it's something that I've always been passionate about because it's, you know, it's just kind of intrinsically involved in kind of that accounting money space. So I've always mm -hmm. loved numbers. I've always loved money. Um, so I've always, you know, paid attention to my budget and what's coming in, what's going out. Um, and I, I think it wasn't until I got into college where I realized other people didn't have those basics um, just because maybe they grew up not being a math person. And I think a lot of people fear managing their money because they were told they're not a math person or they're afraid of math and numbers and things like that, where I think just like anything, it's about consistency, getting familiar with the fundamentals and then, you know, working at it. So learning your budget, making sure that you're adjusting it as time goes on. Um, and just becoming more comfortable, you know, as with anything. So that's, that's always my first disclaimer for people that are trying to, um, they really want to learn how to budget, but they just have a mind block because they weren't good with money or numbers or math or things like that. So um, it is something that I've always been passionate about because I want to share the knowledge that just um, I've been so used to having around me just because of being an accounting major. 
um, and just generally enjoying numbers and math and money and things like that. So um, when I first was able to start teaching this to student athletes, I realized how excited and interested they are in wanting to learn it because it's not something that's normally taught either in high school or even at the college level. So I'd love if that was something that would be, you know, more widespread, you know, just like an English 101 class, take a financial literacy 101 class, because um, it's something that's going to benefit you way after you're done with college. Yeah. And uh, you do this now. So can you talk about, you know, some of the things that you teach when it comes to financial literacy, sharing your expertise and, you know, insights with student athletes and organizations around financial literacy? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I started with, like I said, really just the fundamentals. So budgeting. So, you know, I was a basketball player, so I use a basketball analogy, but budgeting is being able to dribble. Like you have to get that competency down if you want to, you know, rip through and drive to the, to the basket. So knowing what's coming in, knowing what's coming out, making a plan for your expenses. I think um, when I talk to a lot of people um, before they start budgeting, they don't really realize how much money they're spending on stuff like subscriptions or, um, or groceries. So just getting that handle on your budget, knowing where your money's going, knowing how much you should have left after, um, you know, your paycheck comes in, I think is definitely um, the fundamental to really grasp. And then I focus a little bit on credit cards. Um, you know, what does it mean to have a good credit score? How do you build credit? Should you have a credit card if you're in college? Um, you know, the things that they don't tell you about uh, your credit card bill is, you know, you, you, you only have to pay the minimum payment to, you know, have, have it not affect your credit score and stay in good standing. But what they don't tell you, um, except in the fine print is how much you're going to pay on interest if you don't pay that bill off at the end of the month. So focus a lot on that. Um, investing. I know that's something young people are really excited about, which is awesome. So the different um, opportunities there are in investing, even, even if you don't have a ton of money. So whether that's, through apps or, um, you know, eventually getting a financial advisor. So telling them, you know, how to kind of just get started into that a little bit of retirement, even though it's the last thing on their mind, just showing them how the power of <laughs> yeah. money works uh, with compound interest, why it pays to start early, you know, how, how, how the power of time can help you and hurt you um, in terms of your credit and then in terms of investing. Um, so yeah, pretty much just a, a, a touch on a little bit of everything. What are some of the most common questions that you get asked, you know, when you're doing these financial literacy workshops and, you know, panels and stuff like that? A lot is, you know, how to where like how to save money when you don't have a lot. So that's where you really have to, you know, utilize your budget, know where your where your money's going and then plan ahead. So, you know, I'm the, I always make sure I tell them it doesn't mean you can't treat yourself, doesn't mean you can't go out to eat, but you can save so much more money by going to the grocery store and cooking as opposed to going out to eat. So what I tell my, the student athletes too, is, you know, find a bunny, find a teammate that's trying to budget and do meals together, do a potluck with your team instead of going out to eat. You can still have that fellowship, you know, at someone's apartment um, and not spend that money going out to eat. Um, get, I get a lot of questions about taxes too. Um, you know, how to file your taxes, um, I always recommend, you know, a free, uh, a free website, such as TurboTax, um, H&R Block. A lot of times they do simple returns for free. I get a lot of questions about investing, um, which I try to stay away from, you know, telling them, you know, what stocks to go for, what mutual funds or, um, or even what banks to, to, um, to bank with. So I try not to lead them um, any which way, but just really just to give them, to empower them to make their own decisions. 
um, about those sort of things. No, I love that. You know, and this is a disclaimer. We are not financial advisors. <laughs> Just this is educational and informational only. Um, make sure you consult with your financial team. Um, but being an accountant, you know, in a past life, I'm sure you've seen a lot of horror stories. When it comes to taxes, it's, you know, something that every athlete, every individual has to account for. You mentioned, you know, using a free service, especially if you're not making or you're not, you know, have the means to have like a CPA. Is there anything else to like look out for specifically, you know, as an athlete that you recommend? Um, in terms of taxes, you mean? Yeah, in or terms of taxes, yeah. Um, and I like to say I'm a, a recovering accountant, a recovering <laughs> uh, public uh, public accounting employee. Um, but yeah, in terms of taxes, I think just really knowing that anytime you're making some money, whether it's from a job or an NIL deal, the government's going to want their cut. So um, especially if you're getting paid a lump sum and taxes aren't being taken out, set some money aside um, because the government's going to get their money one way or another, whether it's, um, you know, right off the top or if, if it's during tax time. So set some money aside. So when you do have to pay taxes, you're not hit, um, you know, and you don't have that money anymore. Um, so just that's probably the biggest thing is just realizing that, you know, even if you're getting that, that lump sum and taxes aren't taken out immediately, they're going to be taken out eventually. No, most definitely. If there is a, like a freshman coming in, you know, to University of Pitt um, and you were able to give them kind of like the syllabus of how to navigate being a collegiate student athlete in this day and age. Obviously, you know, you talked about financial literacy. You talked about like the fundamentals. What kind of lesson plan would you give them to really maximize that opportunity? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. At, at Pitt, we're, re <clears throat> we're really lucky that we have a great life skills department. So the purpose of the life skills department, not not all, um, I mean, most, most division ones have them, but like a D2, D3, sometimes you don't have a whole life skills department. Maybe you have one person in charge of that, but get to know those people, get to know um, your teammates really well, get to know your coaches, the staff that help you out, um, build those relationships. I, relationships are the number one thing um, that I wish I did a better job of when I was in school um, is realizing, you know, how many stories people have to tell about themselves. It's just, it's awesome learning about people. You never know. Um, you know, whether you use them, you know, as a connection later or not, um, I don't, I don't know that that matters. It's just, you know, learning from the people that are around you at the time that you're in school, taking it all in. Um, I, I try to tell when I used to coach the student athletes that don't, don't rush your time out of school. I know it seems um, appealing to want to get a full-time job and get a, you know, a big paycheck and not have to go to class anymore. But, you know, with that comes other problems like more bills, um, you know, going to work 40 plus hours a week where in school, maybe you're only in class three hours a day, you know, so take advantage of that time to, you know, network with people, build relationships, volunteer, figure out what you, what you do like, what you don't like. Um, you know, so for, for a freshman, once you get comfortable with your classes, try and branch out, even if it's outside of athletics, you know, at, at a campus like Pitt, there's so many other, um, extracurriculars that they can get involved with too, um, to make friends outside of your sport, definitely outside of your team. If you can interact with, um, you know, athletes on other teams, I think it's really important to do that. Um, but yeah, just soak it all in, try and, um, utilize all the resources that your campus and your department has to offer. 
No, I love that, you know, utilizing all the resources, you know, that when it comes to being a frugal athlete, that's what I always talk about, you know, being efficient. A lot of times mm -hmm. the people that don't maximize the opportunity in front of them, that's what it really means to being cheap. And, um, you know, as a student athlete, not everyone's going to go pro, but you're going to be a pro in life. So, you know, maximizing the opportunity that you have is, is very important. I want to ask you before we close, you know, you, you know, you mentioned you're doing financial literacy workshops. So you're actually, you know, doing a business as well. What uh, what are some things that you've learned, you know, kind of starting your own business in conjunction with, you know, your day to day obligations as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, first, it's not going to be perfect right away. I think I really had to get more comfortable behind the camera and being more confident in what I am sharing and knowing that I know my stuff and that I'm able to share it. So it it took a lot of growth for me to get where I am now and putting me in those uncomfortable um, situations, also getting feedback from other people. Um, I'm really big on, I always do surveys at the end of my, um, at the end of all of my presentations, just so I can ensure that they got value out of it. And if they didn't, why not? How can I make it better? So, um, you know, putting a lot of time into it, like you said, it, it's, it's not my day-to-day -day job. So still focusing on that, making sure I'm, I'm doing a good job there, but um, I get a lot of energy and excitement from sharing this financial literacy. So I wanted to make sure that's a priority to me too. So um, I definitely do focus on that outside of work on how I can always get better, um, you know, reaching out constantly to people to see if they have, um, you know, the time and the, the desire to want to add some financial literacy um, topics to, to what they're teaching their teams, um, you know, off the, off the field, off the court. Um, so it, it is, you know, since it's not my full-time job, um, I'm lucky that I'm still passionate about it. So I, it doesn't feel like a job. It just feels like I'm out here trying to help our student athletes, trying to help student athletes across, you know, the country just learn, um, you know, basic fundamentals of, of money management. Um, so I love it. Um, happy to help anybody. And I think that's why it hasn't felt like too much in addition to my day job. No, I love that. Is there any like specific, like, entrepreneurship thing from a business standpoint, like a money standpoint that you've learned as an entrepreneur? Um, mostly it's just how often you need to continually market yourself and uh, mm -hmm. represent your brand. So I guess I hoped that there would be more people, you know, reaching out to me. I didn't realize how much outreach I needed to do. So once I realized that and started building those connections and realizing how, um, how much the power of storytelling um, really gets your brand out there. So whether that's on social media, it's not just one post every now and then, but can you share content from your presentations or can you share a story from a student athlete that really benefited from your services? Um, so definitely had to learn more about that. How do I brand myself? How do I get that out there um, so that I can start helping more people than just my you know, direct network? No, I love that, Caitlin. And I could speak to it firsthand. You have a great story, great speaker. Um, for people that may want to be reaching out to you, you know, obviously you have a lot of expertise on both sides, you know, being a D3 collegiate athlete, being in the front lines from the business development standpoint, business services standpoint at a, you know, top college, and then also working in the financial literacy workshop space. How can people get in contact with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you can go on Pitt's website. My email is up there. If you just search for my name, um, I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so you can just uh, search my name. I should pop up. But if not, I can share it with you at Moby too, if you want to put in the show notes. 
Almost definitely. We're going to have that in the show notes for sure. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Um, that's it for this episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate, uh, and review. It helps us continue to grow the platform, get wonderful guests like Caitlin. Uh, and Caitlin, once again, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's late out there on the East Coast. So I really appreciate you and we'll definitely be in touch soon. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Moby. Almost definitely. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode. For more information, check out the show notes and go to our website, www.afrugalathlete.com. If you enjoyed, please leave a favorable rating and review and share and subscribe. Thank you so much.